薄いのはほ
the series is a bit dated and I think it is very much playing with the tropes of the time. I will actually yeah. give a general background of the series, which I don't normally do, but maybe I should do more often. Mm. <laughs> context is important, I guess. I, I do <laughs> I do think context for this series explains a lot of the choices and a lot of the things we'll talk about later, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Tokyo Mew Mew originally came out in the early 2000s, which explains many things. It came out from 2000 to 2003. Yes. <laughs> Um, which to me, I was like, oh yeah, I see like a lot of tropes that were popular back then that were now we're like, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, being prevalent, like popularity of cat girls in the 1990s. Those were big. I don't they really see them big. too much anymore. Yeah. It's kind of a shame. Cause like, I'll say in addition to being a Tokyo Mimi super fan, I do have a, I have a fondness for cat girls. Okay. And we should bring back like that character motif a little bit more. I mean, one of my favorite anime is The Vision of Escaflone. So, I mean, I get it. Right? <laughs> like, right. There are at least three cat girls in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. A lot of the imagery and everything is very like Sailor Moon and Cardcaptor, Sakura esque. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like with their their weapons and everything, I was like, yes. "Did you just steal that from?" Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Like Ichigo totally has like. Sailor Moon's weapons at some point. Yeah, yeah. I was like, whoa, wait, like, wait a second. And, and I'll, like, 100% transparency. I have never read Sailor Moon and I've only watched, like, five episodes of the anime. However, I do know that, like, Ichigo basically just has Usagi's weapon. Yeah. Uh, I'm in a similar position. I have not read the manga. I've read, or I've watched, like, 40 episodes of the anime maybe uh but i'm like come on we all know that that's usagi <laughs> yeah, yeah like yeah very much we all are in on this yeah um so tokyo Mew Mew is one of them special shoujos it got an anime adaptation mm-hmm. that was 52 episodes long <laughs> which yeah. is ridiculous from 2002 to 2003 we used to live in such a great time for shoujo anime like what happened to this why is this what is this i mean like although i'll tell you like any anime producers listening, if you put out a 52-episode anime in 2021, don't do that to us after this year. Don't, don't do, do that. that. I can't do that. My back hurts, and I'm 28 and tired. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all too... Yeah. So, that's right. It's going to have a new anime in 2021. Yes. What, I am, what a time to be alive. <laughs> I... Like, in this year, I mean, it got new manga. It's the year of Mew, officially. Oh, my- Goodness, I know. Okay, well, the anime only uh, half of it ever aired in the U.S. I believe. Yeah, on yes, four only twenty six episodes of it. Yeah, on four kids, so we know it was bad. Yeah, I mean, everyone's name got changed to an English name, so it's rough. <laughs> like worse than the um, manga. So Ichigo becomes Zoe Hansen. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like Mint is Karina Bucksworth. It's bad. oh, like it's, legit names. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. They tried to make it in America. Meanwhile, I, I want to say they tried to make it like New York. Of course and, they did. And like, but there's Tokyo Tower, which does not exist in New York. Oh my goodness, this it's, all makes sense. I was like, why did they change it to Mew Mew Power? Oh, they wanted to pretend it was New York. Okay. Yeah, it's oh rough. Like some some Death Note. <laughs> live yeah. action yeah I mean and, and and it was heavily edited right like that was the yeah. thing to do and it's it's not great that they did it um but it was it was done like and it ugh, 
It haunts me. It sure happened. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And then as we said, yeah, there actually are newer sequel anime or new newer sequel manga. Yes. That we yes. did not read for this because they are not legally available in English as far as I'm aware. Yeah, they're not. And there's two. There's, oh, and I'm so glad. Okay, so I keep seeing the name passed around and people are mistranslating it as Olay, mm. like the Spanish exclamation. Yeah. It's Olay, like Cafe Olay. It's Tokyo Mimi Olay, and it's actually an all-boy cast, which is oh. thrilling. And then we have <laughs> Tokyo Mew Mew 2020 Return, which is the original group of girls. Oh, of course. Yes. <laughs> you got to have your yes. both genders. That's and I, I do own both. I just haven't read them yet because time is a thing. But I you do a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say that the Tokyo Mew Mew Olay the main character is also a black idiomote cat like Ichigo. Oh. So that's kind of interesting to me. Interesting. I do assume that when the anime starts airing, like Kodansha will be like, hey, look, we licensed this new sequel series. I certainly hope so, though. Um, and we'll talk about this later. I'm very leery of Kodansha handling the new Mew Mew manga because of their treatment of Tokyo Mew Mew with some of the name changes they made. I mean, I would be worried because yeah, I I read the first one in Omnibus, and we'll talk about so many. I was like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, it's rough. It's rough. Um, but I think better to have it at all than not. Yeah, I I mean, like, let's be honest, I would still buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm, let's I'm be real. Weak. We're going to do another podcast if that happens. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, I'm weak. I would still buy it 100%. So I think it's also important context to talk about our background with the series, which for me, I'll start because I don't have that much. <laughs> <laughs> I had not read this series until just now for this podcast, and I have never seen the anime. Asher and I watched the opening in like two minutes of the first episode just to like get a feel for that <laughs> last mm-hmm. night um and i knew very little about what the series was even like about before reading this that's really interesting to me because like tokyo Mew Mew consumed a lot of my like tween and very early teens life like i was so into it yeah it is interesting because i probably did encounter the four kids dub yeah uh, but I guess I just didn't follow it and, yeah, like, didn't process it at the time because <laughs> yeah. I was super just, like, watching uh, Saturday morning cartoons whenever possible because I didn't have cable. So, like, Saturday morning was, you yeah. know, the time. And, and, it, and it was very much so, like, a cable show. I want to say it came on at 8.30 or 9 o'clock because before it always came on Magical Do-Re-Mi, as it was called in English, or what is it in Japanese? It's like, ah, uh, it's it's... I can't remember the Japanese name, I'm going to be honest. But I know, like, Doremi is in the title. Like, it it was back-to-back with Magical Girl shows, which was <laughs> pretty fabulous. Magical Girl Hour, yes. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Honestly, it's probably good that you missed the anime because there was a segment where all of the characters in, like, the big Saturday morning lineup sang the national anthem. 
And like my girl Ichigo sings part of the Star Spangled Banner. (laughs) (laughs) And you were like, I don't need this propaganda. I was like, yeah, even as a kid, I was like, this doesn't feel right. This this doesn't feel good. (laughs) (laughs) This doesn't feel good. Amazing. Okay, so I have a lot of questions for you because obviously you have a lot of background with Tokyo Mew Mew. Yes. So when did you first read the series or see the anime? Was it the four kids dub? So I um I definitely watched the anime from the beginning when it was as it was coming out via the four kids dub. Um I didn't actually watch the Japanese until a few years ago when I was in grad school. And then I actually um I bought the Blu-ray that came out this year, the very expensive Blu-ray that came out this year while I was in Japan. So I I own the series. It's I mean, it's not subtitled. It's Japanese only, but that's fine. Um, In terms of reading the series, I also read it as Tokyo Pop was putting it out. So like I read it volume by volume. Right. And how many times have you read it since then, roughly? (laughs) Um, Oh, gosh, I can think of at least 10 distinct times I've read it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I can can easily think of 10 distinct times. And I will say that includes Kodansha's release. Okay, so yeah. you've read both. That's great. Okay, yeah. excellent. What about this series? Like, keeps you coming back to it over and over. I, you know, I'll be, I'll be frank. I think part of it is certainly nostalgia. Like, I think, I think that that kind of can't be divorced from it. I think I also just really like the characters. I really like stories about female friendship. Um, I also find it interesting to do like a queer reading of mm. Tokyo Mew Mew because I think. I think like a lot of magical girl shows from the nineties and two thousands, there is a lot that can be found that appeals to like an LGBTQ audience. And Tokyo Mew Mew was kind of like, you know, if I think back with my adult eyes, it was kind of low key, like my awakening. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's, it's just interesting to kind of go through the text and interesting to just like play around with it and read it differently. That's, that's what I think keeps me coming back. It's very interesting. Yeah, you got to respect the series that like gave you an awakening, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it was it was a deeply formative series for me. You know, I recently I've seen um on Twitter there's like a meme going around of like whatever you were into at 11 and 12 is just your thing. This was my thing. Like I saved up money to buy the volumes. I remember going to mm-hmm. Borders Books. In fact, all of my mo- almost all of my editions have like a Borders Books sticker on the back still. And I, I remember going and buying the volumes as they came out and it was just my thing. So I think, I think that's kind of the thing too. And especially with new content coming out that even made, that made me want to reread it again this year. I think this is my third time reading it this year. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I didn't think to ask you how many times you read it just this year. That's... <laughs> All right. You're gonna have to read it like five more times before the anime comes out. Like... I will relish it though and like I mean to some degree I have it memorized but I still find it just enjoyable like it's it's just it's comfort food for me yeah. I think yeah that makes sense okay at Leo translations on Twitter asks a question a variation of a question I was going to ask so I'm, I'm going to read their question because that's more important so <laughs> they said I can't wait for this I'd be interested to know if your opinions or feelings about the series are different now compared to if you read it when you were younger uh yes they are very different um I think reading it 
from what the first the first volume came out in English in gosh 2003 so I would have I would have been like right at the end of elementary school my feelings are very different because I think back then for one I thought I was straight Mm. (laughs) so like that that certainly has changed um but yeah I mean I think the nuance and Certain tropes have not aged well in Tokyo Mew Mew. Certain things I feel much more discomfort about. Certain things I I think having taught Japanese teenagers, I also feel very different about certain things now. Um, hmm. I still love the series, but I think I'm much more willing to be critical about it. Yes, like let's agree. All of Quiche, like what are you doing? Oh boy. <laughs> Keish is just like, oh no, oh no, Keish, stop! Like, Keish, stop! Keish yeah. and Real also stop! Like, please, even to some degree, Messiah, please stop! All like, boys, stop! All just these don't. boys, you don't need the Michigo. You don't need them. And like, from all a mode, Tosku. Oh, please stop. Please stop. Like, really? I like Tosku. Oh, okay. I could not stand him this read. <laughs> I could not. I was like, this child. I've taught this child, and I didn't necessarily like their behavior. I love all students. It's sometimes okay. just the behavior that I'm like. And and our, arguably, I think my reasons for not liking him was understanding, like, Tokyo Mew Mew All Mode is a very compressed series. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> super. Yeah. But I, 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 you know, even in my criticism, like I, I'm the kind of person I fully believe you can love whatever and criticize it and that that's can be a form of love. I think my ability to look at Tokyo Mimi critically now is just it gives me more to come back to. That's why I keep coming back to it. Like I said, is that there's just so many ways I can look at it. But I definitely feel differently at 28 about the series. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess again, I didn't read it, uh, growing up or anything, but I do have to say that through reading the series, you know, in the beginning, I was like, this is so silly and like, (laughs) what is happening to me? Mm -hmm. But then it like actually did grow on me. Like I was like, there are some things that it actually did really well. And I was like, strangely impressed by it. I was like, what's going on? Yeah. It's good. (laughs) It is. Yeah. And I was like, I am also like kind of I always fall for like these like very very pure hearted like we love each other despite everything like even if you're have your secret identities and whatever like I'll always love you things I'm like yes mm-hmm. I, I am always a sucker for this <laughs> yes. I will not lie oh same same yeah I think what, I, what I've come to realize is that I'm like I just I'm not super into magical girls is what I'm really like yeah and, and magical girls I'll fully admit they're my thing like okay I feel like if you had to choose like three things I'm really into, Magical Girls, specifically Tokyo Mew Mew. Um, I really like any time that like people just randomly have like animal aspects, like animal ears. It's just a very cute, charming thing. And I, I'll admit I'm into moe things, but mm-hmm. in a very... I think there's a difference between like sexualized moe, which I'm not at all into because that is very discomforting. I'm into more of like female creators making cute things. Right. 
and 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 that's very much so what Tokyo Mew Mew is. It is a very cutesy series that was made explicitly for women. It ran in Nakayoshi, which is a female-oriented magazine. So it's it's for women. It's for, or rather, I should say, it's for anyone whom femininity is is something that's an important aspect of their life or something that they have experienced or engage with, um, regardless of gender. So. Yeah, I mean, I but I also think if you don't like Magical Girls, yeah, the series probably isn't. It's probably not going to do what it did for me or for anyone else if you if it's not a genre that you enjoy, and that's okay. Yeah, uh, like talking about it with Asher, I was like, why don't I like Magical Girls though? And he's like, well, you like cute things, Ashley, but you don't like like a plasticky kind of cuteness that Magical yeah. Girls have. Yeah, yeah, I I think Magical Girls can be. And like I said, I'm saying this as someone who loves it. They can be very manufactured cute. Um, yeah. I, th- I think about like the ripple effect Monica has had as we come up on its 10th anniversary. Oh, goodness. And like it is, it was manufactured to some degree to hurt you, but make you want to engage with it more. That's why we're still talking about Monica as, as if it's revolutionary when you have magical girls like Sailor Moon who, if I'm correct, dies. <laughs> <laughs> multiple times like, like i'm pretty sure it's pretty dark yeah yeah like monica didn't do it first but that ripple effect because monica was made to be so cute is is still present and i think yeah like magical girls have a certain manufactured love and justice cuteness about them that can be appealing but certainly can also be a little off-putting yeah it's also that magical girls generally have somewhat like grading personalities and I understand that for some people that's powerful like they're like look they can be annoying and people still love them (laughs) uh like it makes them feel better about themselves and and everything like that but I'm just like no I just don't like them (laughs) yeah no I I fully understand that I think there are certainly magical girls where you're like oh I can kind of look past that and then there's magical girls there's one in this series that you're just like oof I wish they would have done anything else with your character. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is it mint? (laughs) Um, It can be mint. Is it lettuce? It can be mint. (laughs) Um, I see. I I have big feelings about lettuce, so. Okay, that makes sense, too. I understand. (laughs) No, they're definitely, and I, I, I think, I also think, though, having the kind of, dare I say, like, prissy girl stereotype is also a product of the 2000s with a lot of magical girl shows and Mm. manga like that's a very 2000s thing um because i think it would be seen as really reductive these days if you had that Mm. if you didn't like put a spin on it right right so interesting okay all right so to get us out of a spoiler free section I will tell the people that, so if you, if you haven't read Tokyo Mew Mew, Tokyo Mew Mew is available in omnibus editions from Kudancha Comics, both digitally and physically uh, in the U.S. It was, as we, as we alluded, it was originally brought over by Tokyo Pop, which feelings, um, with, uh, yes, I actually had to read a bit of both for this read because my library, like, had the first two volumes of uh, Ala Mode and then three through seven of the initial series. And I'm like, I think they think 
that they have the whole series but and don't realize that one is a sequel. Right. They don't have the first two volumes. So I had to read the first Kodansha Omnibus. So I, I do have a bit of a flavor of both translations, which is yeah. good because uh, yes. <laughs> we, yeah. uh, we got to get some question yeah. about that. So again, this is, we are now going into spoilers. So if you do not want to be spoiled on Tokyo Mew Mew, if you have not read it yet, uh, go do that. Come back. Otherwise, we're going to jump into it with some listener questions. Let's Even more do it. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. So at... Bacha Spines, I don't know how to say stuff, <laughs> on Twitter, <laughs> uh, said, so that Tokyo Pop translation, I always laughed over the names. Which name is the most ridiculous? Honestly, I wish they kept the Japanese names for all of them instead of translating them to English. All so right. I'll say I had a little trouble understanding this because in the Tokyo Pop edition, all of all of the girls except for pudding have essentially their japanese name like ichigo is ichigo mint and lettuce is just the english version of their names mint yeah. and lettuce um zakuro we ought to thank tokyo pop for not naming her pomegranate truly yeah <laughs> like, we should be really thankful for that right um yes. pudding is the one that i have the biggest issue with mm-hmm. because her name is chinese I think in the original Japanese, they went like the Japanese version of that. And then we get like, we just get like pudding, which is okay. But I kind of would have minded, I would have liked her name to stay Japanese. But I, I think what, what I thought of when I saw this question was the Americanized four kids names, which are bad. Mm, Yes. Um, (laughs) As as I quickly gathered. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I will say if I had to go with the Tokyo Pop translation, the name that's most ridiculous is Pudding. Yeah. Because they could have just kept Pudding and that would have been okay. I mean, I, I'm actually glad that they didn't keep Mint and Lettuce's name in either the, either the Tokyo Pop or the Kodansha as the Japanese Katakana version. Yeah. That yeah, would have been like rough. Lettuce or something. Yeah. yeah. That would have been rough. I mean, Minto? That no, mint mint makes a lot more sense. Um, yeah, I was confused by this because I was like, Kodansha didn't seem to change the uh, the names. Um, Kodansha changed one name. Okay, Real maybe bad. I didn't get there. Kodansha, Tell me, Kodansha changes Zakuro's name, and I am very angry about this. Oh, maybe they, I didn't notice. <laughs> they change her from Zakuro to Zakro. Yeah, that's oh. right. Z a c r o, Zakro. And I'm like, who chose, who made this choice? It's bad. It's bad. And I don't like it. Um, that is where the Tokyo Pop translation actually did it better. Is yeah. Which, which I mean, like, knock on wood, those are words I never thought I would say. Listen, I have a spicy take on this, but yes, go on. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, and like the Tokyo Pop translation has a lot of mistakes, has a lot of bad choices to some degree not bad choices that were of the time that I imagine the translator probably maybe got hamstrung into but yeah Zachro is definitely the one I'm going to call out from the Kodansha translation that's just it's nonsense yeah I think we have to call out both of them for not translating quiche correctly too like why is it quiche I that bothers me so much because the whole theme of the series is it's food they're yeah. all food names. How how did you like I think what I definitely think in the Tokyo Pop one, they looked at the 
I, I assume Keisha's name is in Katakana and they looked at it and they did a really bad romanization of it when it should have just been quiche like the egg-based dish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, the other ones are pie and tart. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not like I we're mean, hiding this. Kudos because four kids decided to rename them all to some really bad names. They named, um, oh gosh, okay. Quiche became Drin. Drin? Which is backwards nerd. Oh, goodness. T- uh, no. <laughs> tart became Tarb or Brat backwards. And pie became sardon or sardonic. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's bad. That's That's that's, bad. (laughs) That's some, I don't even know what to call that. Like, that's not even a Woolsayism like in video games. That's just bad. But it it does bother me that Kodansha, the parent company, did not do quiche, which should have been the obvious. Yeah. Because it's so obvious the series is all food-themed names. <laughs> like, Kodansha did its translation, like, ten years later. They knew. Like, I just don't, it doesn't yeah, make I, sense. I don't, I don't understand. And I, I mean, you know, thank you to the translator for their hard work. But it, it seems like something that should have been obvious that, oh, it's quiche. Like, the food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... That's my spicy hot take on the names. Cause. Okay. <laughs> yeah. My spicy hot take on the translations is actually that. So I started with the Kodansha one, right? Right. But like it was so, it was so weirdly like robot. Like it, it read like somebody who had translated it. Like yeah. English wasn't their first language. Yeah. It, it's not. I feel bad saying this because like, I mean, I have a lot of respect yeah. for translators and localization. It's not a good translation. I don't yeah. I don't find it enjoyable at all. It's readable, but it's not enjoyable at all. Yeah, and like any one page, I, just like any page I could pick out, like there was something that I was like, why? <laughs> like yeah. I'm confused. It's, it's quite wooden. Yeah. Um and I I think that's a shame because when when I found out that Tokyo Mimi was getting omnibuses. I was really excited because I was really hopeful that we would get a more accurate translation. We would get some of the big things fixed from Tokyo Pop. And it's just kind of, I think the shame of the new translation is actually, it's just kind of in the middle ground. It's not horrendous, yeah. but it's not, it's not great. And that's kind of its last chance, which is a yeah. shame, <laughs> which is a big shame. I know. So, like, while I was reading it, I forgot I wasn't reading the Tokyo Pop one because it was, like, not mm-hmm. amazing, right? So, I was like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, like, as bad as the Tokyo Pop one is, like, I know that it is not faithful in all these things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it at least was, like, much easier to read because it wasn't wooden. Yeah. Like, it was like, okay, real people, like, talk like this. <laughs> it, it, it's a lot more playful. It does lean heavily on 2000 slang. Like, there's a lot of calling each other geeks and freaks and nerds, but it's a much more playful, enjoyable translation. And I think, honestly, I would have to say, yeah, I like the Tokyo Pop one better. You heard it here, folks. We both like the Tokyo Pop one better. I mean, like, it is a hard thing to admit, but it's true. It's, It's a much more playful, because this is a very playful series, a really kind of wooden almost stiff translation doesn't really suit it right and I and I'll I'll say like I haven't read the original Japanese so like 
I can't speak to that. But like in terms of its readability, it is readable, but it doesn't suit the characters at all. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's translation wars right here, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then uh at Chic Sea Spice, I think. I don't know. It might just be at Chic Spice. Mm-hmm. Laura, you know I love you. You were on the Phantom Thief John episode. <laughs> you know. Uh, she asks, uh Tokyo Mew Mew has a lot of twists and turns. What are what are some of the favorite plot twists and least favorite? Okay, so am I allowed to say like spoilerly spoilerly plot twist because yes okay when like Ichigo dies (laughs) (laughs) that's a least favorite yeah I mean I like I actually liked it a lot because I mean like she does come back to life but like it's very dramatic um (laughs) it's so dramatic and Honestly, I did kind of feel something in my heart when it happened because I think, like, I knew it was coming, obviously, but it is a really interesting moment where, like, Ichigo really rises to the occasion and you see that she's finally 100% the leader, is willing to give up everything because she cares about someone so intensely and also wants to do right and just dies. Just no hesitation. (laughs) walks yep. into death <laughs> it's so good it's so good job good. Ichigo yeah um I also like the um one another favorite twist was like um <laughs> I I do kind of like Messiah secretly being both an alien and the alien's god <laughs> like it's it's a pretty cool little twist you can see it, you can kind of predict when he becomes the Blue Knight that like, oh, he's got a blue theme. His last name is also a blue theme. You can, right, kind, of, you can kind of sense it coming to some degree, but like, it still gets me. Yeah. Yeah. So my feelings about that were, first of all, I am a very gullible reader and I was super dumb and didn't pick up that, or super silly and didn't pick up that they... That like yeah, his last name was Aoyama. Of course, he's a blue knight. I like super didn't pick up on yeah, that until like yeah. way late. It's it's a pretty neat twist though, and it's a little bit of a shame that it comes so late. Yeah, because there's not really a lot that you can do with it at the point that it comes. But like, I also I also think it's pretty fairly well executed. Yeah, it was good. I guess I was a little bit sad when it happened because I kind of like yeah. I really was liking the role that Masaya was playing of more the like girlfriend who has to sit at home and be like, don't fight, you know, like, yeah. I don't want you to go. Uh, like I liked him being a nothing. Yeah. I, uh, I, yeah. there's a part of me that wishes he had actually just stayed in that role. Um, there's a part of me that's messy and likes drama and is like, Oh, she has to fight her boyfriend. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also like, I guess my third kind of like favorite twist is Messiah secretly just always knowing after he encounters Ichigo that Mew Ichigo is the same as Ichigo. It's very cute because he's just like, yeah, I knew. I just didn't say anything about it. And it's, it's just a very heartwarming moment of like, oh, these cute little kids in love. That actually was one of the, that's like the, one of the strongest moments for me as well, because 
for me, it was like Masaya actually showed so much like wisdom in that moment beyond his 12 year old years or whatever, you know, because uh, like <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, you know, reading it the whole time, you're like, does Masaya really not know? Like, how is that possible? And then he's like, no, I did know. I just didn't say anything. Right. It's like, oh, my God, he, you know discerned that she wasn't ready to discuss her secret identity with him and was like, okay, you know what? It's better for both of us if I just pretend that I don't know and wait for her to be ready to like tell me and we'll both like get through the storm together. I was like, oh my God, that's like real yeah. relationship. Right. But it, <laughs> like, and it, it, it felt, it felt actually quite authentic for how like teenagers can emote because I think, I think when you're a teenager, love feels so much bigger and it's so much more fraught because like it's it's this really big first experience if you experience romantic affection it's this really big thing when you're you know 13 kind of 14 because it's it's just so new and it actually felt like how a real teenager might actually understand and kind of conceive of a situation is like well i know this is important to her i know this is a big thing i won't bring it up i'll just let her choose um, it was a yeah. really good moment. Yeah, I have to agree. It's one of the strongest ones. Yeah. Yeah. So I see least favorite. Um, yeah, what's your least favorite? Ichigo getting married to Messiah at the end. I don't <laughs> like it. I don't like it. Yeah, no, it's bad. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, because it, it's just, it's cheesy. And then she decides to go off to the UK with him. <laughs> like yeah i wish i could just you know zoom yeah, off to the it, uk <laughs> it's it's it to me it's the weakest part because you have this huge really beautiful sacrifice on ichigo's behalf and then she's rewarded with like you get to marry a man <laughs> and it's just doesn't sit, it just doesn't sit right with me like it it would have what would have been nice is to see them start their relationship in earnest and like to see you know kind of the beginning of Masaya kind of regaining his identity mm. yeah I also don't like any time like the first time that Ichigo gets turned into a cat and like <laughs> and like the whole gag is around like she doesn't want to get in the bath with Masaya I'm not too fond of that it just it feels different in 2020 maybe <laughs> um, I'm also not fond of the fact that, like, there is a cat that likes to sexually harass her. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, not great. <laughs> it's not great, and I don't like it. But really, the biggest twist is Ichigo getting married at the end. I'm just not. No. No, thank you. Yeah. I definitely see what you mean. Like, it would have been nice if her reward is, like, yeah, we're all friends. Like, they they establish even more their friendship but instead she leaves and they like get a new leader in all the mode and like doesn't yeah it's it's and I guess since now that you said all the mode one of my least favorite twists in all the mode is that Ichigo can only use her abilities for three minutes which yeah is, it seems like they forgot that by the end though it's the biggest nerfing that has no impact yeah like and I I know that the, I know it was done partially probably to move Ichigo out of being the leader so that Barry could step in but it it weakens both of their characters a lot which is yeah. saying a lot because Ala Mode is kind of universally not liked by most fans I actually I would really? say yeah a lot I think because you have the seven volume first series and then you have a two volume series really one and a half because half of Ala Mode's second yeah. volume is short stories um and I think trying to 
put the same amount of story into two volumes versus a seven volume series, I think a lot of people didn't like how rushed it was. I know even Mia Ikumi herself has said that like she's not super fond of it because it was a super rushed schedule. Yeah. So I mean the bad guys don't make any sense in no, all the mode. Not yeah. at all. Like they're a bunch of psychic children who are like, we got bullied, so we're gonna bully and kill a girl. Yeah. <laughs> it's not great. It's not it's there's not like some great. Ku Klux Klan ish imagery going on. Okay. In there like, okay. Oh so I even put in my notes at one point. I was like, excuse me why is duke wearing a clan robe and yeah and like i feel like that's a very 2000s thing of you can find in a lot of different series like someone in white sheets <laughs> and i know that's not the intent by japanese creators however i don't i know think... but we're so sensitive to it now well in America. And I, but i also don't think they should be let off the hook because i think japan in general is often let off the hook for like racial imagery and racial actions when like when it comes to the kkk yes japan doesn't have a personal relationship but like kodansha also has big money and that should have been something that should have been avoided that they could have made they could have taken the point off and i feel like the kkk by the 2000s was a big enough image that they should have known like they could have avoided that so but I mean, you know, it's too late now. I don't, and honestly, I can't remember in the Kodansha release if they even changed it. They probably did, and it's probably still the same pointy hood with ominous eyes. Yeah, I. <laughs> Gosh, wow. Yeah, they really put that KKK hood. They in they put bad. that in there. It's rough. <laughs> it's I was rough. like, oh goodness. Yeah, yeah, but no, I think I think that's kind of where, in terms of twist, I sit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so I agree with the Masuya one for like favorite. What was my yeah, yeah, my least favorite? I'm I'm curious what your least favorite is, especially since this was your kind of inaugural read. Yeah, I'm just kind of like, you know, there's there's the reveal of Rio being uh, Alto, another cat. Yeah, yeah, being Alto the cat. Yeah, which is it's not. It's kind of average almost. Like, you're just like, this yeah. didn't have to be a part of the story. Yeah. And then Rio's whole, whole backstory, I'm like, but wait, doesn't it contradict what he said in the first volume about why they got hit with the DNA of the Red Zeta animals? Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it absolutely does, though. Yeah. It was like, the backstory we get was his dad was doing research on this already and but Rio is a genius child so he was helping his dad but then there was a tragic you know the lab got set on fire fire both of his parents died uh so he goes off with Keichiro mm-hmm. who was like already their servant and they, they're like all right we're going to continue this research in secret uh so then he uses himself as a test subject and like that's why he can turn into a cat i guess question mark yeah yeah (laughs) that i mean but that's literally because he tests on himself he eventually gains the ability to turn into a cat for 10 minutes yeah Uh, Yeah. but if he does it for more than 10 minutes he he has to stay a cat and i'm like whatever (laughs) it's it's so hand wavy like there's a lot of stuff like that in this series that you can definitely tell it was written with like a younger readership in mind because a lot of stuff just gets hand waved <laughs> sometimes yeah. in the I, same volume. Right. And so I was like, 
you know, that reveal is like volume six or something. Yeah, it comes pretty late in the game. Yeah. So then I had to remember, I was like, but wait a minute. Didn't he say that he injected all? So then he gives the excuse after saying he was the test subject being like, I knew I was going to inject this in five humans. Like I chose, like you were the chosen ones or whatever. But I was like, no, I thought in volume one, you said it was an accident. (laughs) Right, right. Because his aim, the injection got thrown off by the earthquake that coincidentally happened. Yeah. Like he was trying to inject animals. Yeah. And I was, and make them into like chimera animals. Are we yeah. gonna call them chimera animals or? <laughs> well, so like, yeah, because that's another thing is like Tokyo Pop made the mistake of calling them chimera chimera animals closer to like the Japanese for. I don't actually know how to pronounce C H I M E R A chimera chimera. I think it's chimera. Yeah, uh, like they they used originally the Rom- like just the romanization of the Japanese word for it versus chimera how we would pronounce it in english so i guess either one is okay i'm like (laughs) one of them is real english words so i guess i'm gonna go with that (laughs) right yeah but like he it's hand waved really quickly and i i think they kind of assume that you're just gonna have forgotten that he said that at the beginning oh i I didn't though neither (laughs) one of us did (laughs) neither one of us i even went back to confirm and i was like yeah he totally said that yeah Absolutely. I was yeah. like, this is garbage. <laughs> Very much so. I'm I'm wholeheartedly there with you. <laughs> no. So that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> I was like, what is this? This is Rio's trash. We're like, get out of here. <laughs> right. No, I'm there with you. Um, so another question we got was from at Sparkling Roses, who is Zara, uh, who was on to discuss Fushigi Yugi Genbu Kaiden. I mm. wish I could ever remember how to pronounce Fushigi, but <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, she asked, what do you think of the art style? I'm actually really fond of Mia Ikumi's art style. It's very 2000s. It is extremely 2000s. Everyone has like so much hair so So much much, eyes so much i mean i'm looking at the cover of volume one ichigo's eyes are 90 percent of her face um (laughs) everyone's got like a perpetual blush so many lashes so so much screen tone like the out the outfits are extremely early 2000s i would say that like mia ikumi's more recent art is an improvement in technical style, but it's also like in Tokyo Mimu 2020 Return, it's a lot more generic looking. Mm. Part part of the charm of Tokyo Mimu is that it does have this really distinct art style that I think did kind of separate it from some other Magical Girl series that were in print and were being translated into English at the time. So kind of seeing that fade away a little bit is a little sad. Even though there's there's definitely times where like Mia Ikumi's maybe the perspective on a character is a little bit off or yeah. you know um, angles are a little bit weird. I I actually really like this art style a lot, and I think there's some really beautiful artwork. The first thing that comes to mind is I want to say this is in Volume Four, where um, Lettuce finds the Mew Aqua while they're on Rio's fancy boat. <laughs> And like, there's a panel where she leaps up from the ocean and she's in front of the moon. And it's this really gorgeous panel 
like just really beautiful. And so there's a lot of really good art, but um, it is also very of the time. I don't think you would see something like this today. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of like older clamp art style. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas I, yeah, it, it feels like all these artists have evolved to a new art style, right? Like clamp has a much more simplistic, heavy, heavy lines thing yeah. going on for most series. Uh, including Card Captor Sakura clear card, like it's not dr- drawn in the initial Card Captor Sakura, yeah. which I think Tokyo Mew Mew is much closer to. Yeah, uh, yeah, I I definitely agree on that. Like it's, I I think the really detailed line art heavy styles of like the two thousands have definitely given way to a more um like time efficient art style. I'll say because like. I, I often think about, especially with Tokyo Mimi, like Lettuce, who has two different hairstyles combined into one. Like, mm. that's a lot of hair to draw. Um, even Ichigo, like Ichigo has so much hair. So, I mean, it's it's a much more time efficient art style, but it, it is also very, a very 2000s kind of thing. And I do like it quite a bit. Right. Like with the hair, they're giving like a lot of definition to different uh, strands of it and everything that we don't often get these days. (laughs) Yeah, because I feel like I feel like now it's kind of like one really nicely well-drawn mass of hair versus like a lot of strands of. Yeah. 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 Oh, Tokyo Mew Mew. Yeah. I'm just looking at various pages being like, yeah, I definitely would look at Ichigo sometimes and be like, are you Sakura? <laughs> yeah. And and I guess the saving grace with Tokyo Mume is like their outfits are very simple. Mm. Like their outfits are very cute. For shoujo. Very, yeah. Yeah. For shoujo, they're all very simple. They all kind of have a unified theme. Like you have the the seams, the kind of arm cuffs, the choker. Um, but yeah, I mean, like there's also panels where you're like, Mia Ikumi's hands had to hurt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I will also say this is more of like less of an art style thing, more of a design. Woo! They love screen tone in the two thousands, didn't they? Oh, they did. Yes, <laughs> there is so much screen tone everywhere, and it's really great. But all I can think is like whoever was Mia Ikumi's assistant, their hands at the end of the day were—they're just dead now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just raw because i mean every time every time any of the aliens are there there's a lot of screen tone anytime there's a transformation there's just sheets of screen tone just applied everywhere there's entire pages that are just different tones and um i mean because like this definitely would have been before digital art for manga became a bigger thing this was definitely Mm -hmm. ahead of that so like a lot of this, I'm pretty sure, is someone had to cut it out manually. Oh, goodness. Oh, no. I mean, and, and like, Mia Ikumi just goes ham with the screen tone. <laughs> and it's, it's, but it's also a very, I think, 2000s thing. Um, I feel like nowadays when I read manga, like, there's screen tone, but, like, a lot of it I know is just digitally applied. So, yeah. you know, it, it there it's there, but the amount of manual labor is different, at least for that. So <laughs> Yes. Humans are, are okay in that process. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no humans were harmed in the making of yes. <laughs> And like and I'll say like the last one that always comes to mind is like Ichigo's wedding dress. 
Good yeah, I was looking Lord. at that on volume seven right here. Oh my God. The amount of work that had to go into that, like just tones on tones on tones. And I mean, just design and so much time. My hand hurts just looking at it. Yeah, my hand hurts or like looking at pages where, you know, all five of them are together. There's like a lot of hectic stuff going on here. I'm like, dang, there's so much, yeah. so much yeah. drawing. So <laughs> much. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say, yeah, I'm still I'm still definitely a fan of the art style. I really um, while I know that Mia Ikumi is technically better now, like in terms of how she draws. Um, I have nostalgia for the original art and I think it's much more iconic and kind of recognizable versus like the Tokyo Mew Mew 2020 return art, which is a lot more of a generic kind of 2010s art style. Yeah. Yeah. It's I feel much like this is round. how people feel about uh, Yu Watase and like her shift in art style. Like my, my friends are definitely like, no, we like the old art style better, even if, you know, it's, it's like better like technically she's better now and everything I'm like whatever yeah yeah <laughs> but like I also will say I think it's really amazing to see Mia Ikumi creating Tokyo Mew Mew again it's really really wonderful so like I think yeah. I think I think you know there's an art style for everyone I I will be the first to say mine is very rooted in nostalgia that's why I like it partially um but it is great to see them growing right yeah yeah. All right. So at Reader John 2 asks us favorite Mew and what would your Mew Sona be? Oh my I struggled God. over saying Mew Sona <laughs> and abilities. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So I want to ask you do you have a favorite Mew? Um, I want you to go first. <laughs> yes. I would say Zakuro. Oh, why? Okay, well, first of all, she is the most mysterious of them because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, she gets the least amount of screen time. She's also the oldest, so that's nice. Right. Um, also, wolves are my favorite animal, and she is in- infected by the gray wolf. So I'm like, obviously, I love you, lone wolf girl. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm about that, uh, you know, archetype of lone wolves. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Even though I know it's trash, like real wolves are community based and everything like oh, yeah. like oh yeah most animals but <laughs> whatever but, i mean but like i think trash is still enjoyable right like yeah i mean the phrase one man's trash is another man's treasure for yes. sure yeah oh yeah zakuro is pretty cool she deserves better <laughs> she deserves better yeah i know i'm like more zakuro please give to me <laughs> yeah she absolutely deserves better um so what what would your musona be oh god so this is just what animal I would want to be infected with, right? Mm-hmm. But we can be infected with multiple animals, as Barry has I was, said. I was going to say you could have up to two. <laughs> yeah, I, I can uh, <laughs> materia my way into two. I have two materia slots. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, as I said, I do really love wolves, so a wolf would be one of them. But I think I would want to mix it with a fox just to see, like, Oh, okay. Foxes are really cool. I like yeah. that. What about what? What are your abilities? Oh God! What are my abilities? Yeah, I mean, you've got it. I I know it's not fair because like I've had a decade and a half to think. You're about like I've this. had so many. <laughs> yeah, like what? What kind of weapon and like ribbon? Insert your attack name here. Like oh give, my God! But the all deets. the attack names are like don't make any sense. <laughs> it's all the attack names are unfortunately just like their name and the attack. <laughs> it's. It's, it's, I mean, like, this series was definitely 
made for you young young readers like for the for youths because sure. like mint's attack is like mint arrow <laughs> yeah because she has a bow yeah hmm, let's see what would i want my attack to be i would want it to be something with like uh, it has to come from a wand though can it be like claws or something i don't know i'm gonna oh, work yeah, on this okay yeah. you you could have like um like some claws yeah, yeah yeah like like brass knuckles with claws <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> can i be like a badass music <laughs> yeah like, i would i would love that i would love to open the next tokyo Mew Mew and a character's just getting knuckle punched <laughs> yes like, like that that's more my aesthetic right like, I, like that. <laughs> I like that i like that a lot that's all right but you you you've thought about okay. this much so so expect- <laughs> my my favorite Mew is lettuce um i think lettuce is deeply underserved by this story oh yeah um I am a sucker for shy characters that are actually quite strong, but don't realize their strength until they kind of come to terms with the fact that being shy can act, being shy and considerate and caring can actually be a superpower. I'm really into the idea of like, I think Tokyo Mimu has a lot of femininity that is literally weaponized, but I also think it is a series that lets lettuce and her kindness actually become her greatest weapon. So yeah, Lettuce is Lettuce is my girl. I really like her introduction. I think it's her kind of lashing out about her being afraid of all these changes happening to her body feels very authentic. Because like being a magical girl is cool until you think about the biological changes that would happen to allow that to happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> it becomes kind of nightmarish. And Lettuce reacts in a very genuine way so that's that's my girl that's my girl okay so my mew sona i would be um a mew that got injected with like fruit bat dna i know fruit bats aren't endangered um but like i think fruit it doesn't bats matter are, fruit bats are cute um i would be injected with fruit bat dna um i think my color scheme would probably be like kind of a lavender okay (laughs) yeah i i've thought about this a lot um and i think my abilities i would like to wield maybe like a naginata i think that would be cool um yeah yeah i'm going i'm going full on like staff yeah yeah and like maybe my attack would be like ribbon mercedes slash like that would (laughs) that would be pretty good yeah i get it yeah so that's that's what I'm rolling with. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wait, can I be like Wolverine? You know, just like strap on some claws. And I like... mean, I mean, like honestly, as I said, I would love to open up the next edition of Tokyo <laughs> Mew Mew and just see a character who's essentially Wolverine but a magical girl. Yes, like bring us bring us that. that that's be, fine. You hear me, Kodansha? Give me yeah, what Kodansha, the, give us what it. the people want. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> On the point of Lettuce being underserved by the series, I mean, I thought it was very weird overall that, you know, there are five magical girls, six if we're including Barry from uh, All the Mode. And, like, the first two volumes are setting up that there are five of them and, like, finding all five and then becoming a team. And then it just becomes, like, the Ichigo party, though. You know? It it absolutely does. And it's... The biggest weakness of this series is that the first two volumes are kind of quite lovely because you have the trio. And to some degree, I wish it had stayed as a trio. 
Mm. Um, because I think the story is a lot more tight Yeah. at the beginning when it's just the three of them. Pudding kind of comes in as a like wild card almost and never gets the focus that she needs to move past kind of comedic relief. Zakro, like you said, is deeply underserved by this story. She's just the, she's always the aloof character. Yeah. Um, but it does from about volume like 3.5 on, it becomes the Ichigo story up until, like I said earlier, she dies. Like they all, they're all, well, you know, depending on how you read it, everyone dies in the end. And then is brought back, but like it's still very focused on Ichigo, yeah. um, which is a shame because even in all a mode, I actually think that's one of the weaknesses of all a mode is Ichigo gets brought back, and she yeah. becomes she becomes the focus for a while, and you're kind of like this story would have been better if actually it had just been about Barry and a new group of girls versus bringing back the old crew, because it still centers around Ichigo. I mean. Barry has a strawberry motif. Barry has cat DNA. So yeah, it is really the Ichigo party for a lot of this series. And it's yeah. a shame. It's just like, even with Barry be- becoming the new one, like she becomes the focus. And so still all the original four, you know, get shoved into the background for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's why it, it, it's interesting because like in all the mode, you have all of the girls transferring into Barry's school specifically to protect her. And then they're just like put on a shelf. Yeah. Like, they don't do anything. I mean, like I'm flipping through my edition of all the mode volume two. And like, you don't see the Mew Mews a lot. Like you see a lot of Barry, you see a lot of Tosku but you don't see the original kind of quintet or even as they are now, the original quartet, you don't see them a lot. And it, and it is a shame because like, they're all really interesting characters, but yeah, they don't, they are deeply underserved in order to tell Ichigo's story. I also worry that Pudding's story is like offensive in some way because she's supposed to be Chinese and I feel like, she, and she's like legit a monkey, like even... It okay, regardless I'm, of the I'm, DNA. I'm really glad that she brought that up because, as a youth, I could not see what I do now, and what I feel now is that there is something very wrong about making the one foreign character a monkey, yeah, especially because of the weight of how monkeys have been applied to people who are different. And also because of Japan's treatment of China. It felt yeah. really weird. And I was like, I don't like that she's a monkey. <laughs> they yeah. could have made, made her anything else that's also acrobatic. But there's something that I was like, why is she the one that like is a monkey and is never allowed to be like, like, yeah, she's a kid. But like, she's never allowed to really grow past being comedic relief. And it, it, it just feels wrong. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. feel good. It's not good. It's not good. It's yeah. Not good. I just had to acknowledge that. I was like, pudding uh, is like. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I said, like her original name is like Buling. It's mm. Buling Fong. So like she's yeah. explicitly Chinese. Yeah, she's super explicit. Even in this, I was like, okay, I get she's Chinese. right? Yeah. <laughs> like, and, like, every joke made about her is, there's a lot of jokes with gongs. 
<laughs> which you're just yeah. like, that's not great 2000s. But like, yeah, there is something to be said about the fact that the one foreigner character gets stuck with a very specific archetype. It's not stellar. I'll put it that way. It's not, no. it's not good. It's not, it's not good. <laughs> okay, you had also given some example questions, and I yeah. think we might have answered two of them. But I do want to yes. what what food related name would we go with in the world of TTM? Um, <laughs> TMM. So, like, I really like peaches. So, like, okay. so your peaches. I guess peaches. If I wanted to go with the Japanese version, which I won't, um, I guess <laughs> I would be like Momo. <laughs> but, <laughs> As I am a black American, we'll go with peaches. We'll go with, <laughs> we'll go with peaches. How about you? What what food would you be rocking? I mean, we have a character named Lettuce, so I feel that I am fine being something ridiculous like pickles. <laughs> I love me a good pickle. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. That's the only answer that's acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Excellent. I'm glad oh my God, that's that we so brought this good. joy. Yeah. That's I mean. So good. Tokyo Mew Mew. <laughs> <laughs> and and I will say like I in so in one of the side notes I believe in volume one like they were originally going to be color themed and I think like yeah. peach was one of the names mm. um it's interesting to me that they settled with food as if that's not as ridiculous as color names <laughs> I feel like Ikumi and co were like no, we want it to be ridiculous. Like, it has yeah. to be lettuce. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, that. that is part of the fun is, like, the names are absolutely ridiculous. I, I mean, Ichigo is a real girl's name, but, like, yeah. you would ne I don't think you would ever see anyone name their child Mint. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, that one feels That one's too little, far. Yeah. That's a step too far. For sure. Yeah, you know, the two Ichigos... Ichigo Mamma Mia and Ichigo Kurosaki. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, good, the good berries. The good berries. Yes. <laughs> um, so I'd written down some miscellaneous things. Some of them came up naturally in conversation. But I do want to address perhaps one other thing that I wrote mm. down, which was that the aliens were right, though. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, absolutely. They were. Yeah, I... <laughs> In the year of our Lord 2020, I feel so much more sympathetic for the aliens. I am like, right? these are indigenous people who were had their land stolen through catastrophe, came back and found that humans had done all of this horrible stuff. Oh, hashtag alien rights. Like, <laughs> alien rights. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, th maybe their method is not the best. However, Keisha's right. <laughs> Like, right? Like, yeah, like, their ideology is right. Like, none of their personalities are good. Like, what makes no. them bad is that Keisha's, like, a weird, crazy rapist boy. Right? Like, Yeah. Yeah. But, like, they're absolutely right. And, I mean, like, you, you see the planet that they're forced onto, and it's, you know, the surface is completely uninhabitable. They have to live underground. They're starving. They are destitute. They don't even have daylight. And then they come back to Earth, their ancestral home. Only to find out that, like, humanity has just poisoned the planet, which is a very real thing that we are dealing with right now. Um, it which feels I thought, more relevant in 2020. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because this series is ostensibly a series about climate change and about the harmful human footprint being left that's affected animals. 
and you know just in general the world around us and it was written in 2003 but in 2020 it hits home even harder um no the aliens were absolutely right like yeah i mean you know killing people in tokyo was probably not the best way to go about it but i mean yes the vilification (laughs) uh uh like like bad guys are always evil because they're like we must tear down the whole system and start again and everybody's all like but you can't just kill us all right like that's right <laughs> no, nobody right. ever agrees that that's the good way to do anything but you know when quiche yeah when they were making stuff hot in tokyo and then people turned on the air conditioners and they were all like fools the air conditioners just make it heat up even more outside <laughs> asher and i were like you know some people probably don't <laughs> realize that like like yeah uh, yeah. I mean like I I have to say actually like as an adult reader I found the aliens a lot more compelling. Um mm. I was like yeah, they have a right to be angry. And I think when you map it onto real life and I mean you don't even have to map it onto American politics. You can map it onto Japan's treatment of the Ainu, Japan's yeah. treatment of Okinawans and be like yeah those lands were theirs first why it's so horrible to treat them like this yeah the aliens were right absolutely aliens were right yeah absolutely oh but i still don't like quiche so whatever yeah i quiche is possessive in a really uncomfortable way and spoiler i felt nothing when quiche dies like, <laughs> i was like I was like, like, that's sad, but like, also, thank God this is out of the plot. I mean, and he comes back to life. It's great. Like, he's fine. But you're just like, to being an alien. Yeah. You're just like, oh, God, he's so, he's so gross. Um, gross. And I just have to throw this in because I was just flipping to where Keish dies. I know we're past this. One thing I have to say I really actually don't like about this manga now is how many times Ichigo is depicted as nude. Oh, when like like when she transforms and stuff? Well, and like in the ending, when she gives her life, she oh. is naked the entire time. And I was like, that doesn't feel necessary. That feels like a very 2000s thing to choose. Like, she is just... <laughs> it's very... it Like, when you think about how she's treated as a girl throughout the series, it felt like this really weird targeted barb at her. <laughs> Cause like all of the boys in this series do not respect my girl Ichigo, except for Messiah, except for when he doesn't. Except when he's like, you're my kitty. And I was like, please put that back. Yeah. And like, and like what I think at least with his character that they're trying to hint at is when his personality shifts, it's because of the fact that he is not necessarily solely Messiah. Right. Uh, I I'm sorry. I keep saying it like the word for like the savior of a people. No, I get it. Of, I mean, because that's the pun. That's what right? it is. That's the pun. Is like he's the Messiah of Tokyo and of the aliens. Um, yeah. but like at least with Masaya, when his personality shifts, you know, at, as a reader who's informed, you can map that back to like, oh, that's actually deep blue, or maybe that's the blue knight. Kish and Ryo just do not care about Ichigo's body. They call her fat multiple times yeah which like she probably only weighs like 45 kilos maybe like (laughs) they i mean they talk about her body she's often depicted nude when the other mew mews are not 
mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those, it's one of those weird kind of things that like, but it also maps, it maps the series to a specific place in time, I think. Like, and kind of cements, you know, because I, I see you like, you have a question about like the place in the Magical Girl canon. It maps it to a very 2000 series that did influence a lot of other things. Like, I feel like Tokyo Mew Mew walked so a lot of other series could fly. <laughs> mm. um, to, to some degree, I think I think it, because, I, and, but I think you can say that for a lot of Magical Girl series. Like, Sailor Moon certainly walked so a lot of series could fly. Cardcaptor Sakura has done the same. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just had to throw that in there because it, 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 has been on my mind as we've been talking that like, yeah, Ichigo's body autonomy is just not there. And it's not there. a shame. Yeah. It's a shame. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Yeah. 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 I guess. Yeah. I've, I've been curious, like, you know, the more I read magical girl stuff, I'm like, okay, but wait, what counts as magical girl? Like obviously Tokyo yeah. Mew Mew is very, is like a, t- a very typical magical girl. Like if you were like, list magical like the three that you just named very very easily slot into magical girl right right but then asher and i were like does revolutionary girl utna count like see i i would say like utna and now i have i have no experience but just from imagery i would say i would say like utna is definitely like a magical girl warrior Mm. like i i think but like i also think of the sailor scouts as magical girl warriors versus outright magical girls like they're a little bit they're a little bit more fighty yeah yeah they're a little punchy and like, <laughs> you know i mean not cute like sakura and ichigo yeah. right and and i and i think i think too what changes it for me is the kind of subversion of tropes that characters are going for let's be honest tokyo mimi is playing a lot of stuff very straight yeah oh yeah it's literally like what if i take every single popular trope and just try right. to put it in here somewhere. Maid cafe. They work at a maid cafe. Like, right. why? <laughs> Ab- absolutely. Like, it is just playing it as straight as can be. But then I think of something like Sailor Moon and Utena, which what what little base knowledge I have, like, they're very clearly subverting and, you know, showing kind of maybe the darker side of, like, what actually having these abilities would feel like. You know, your life is upended. Everything is a fight because the enemy could be anywhere. Um, but I, I would certainly say, like, Magical Girl Warrior fits Utena a lot. Mm. Um, like, I'll I'll say that. I'll go on record. At me. <laughs> like, I, I absolutely think you could read it like that. Yeah. Well, I also get confused with things like Madoka Magica because, uh, like, it was a deconstruction of, of or it was supposed to be. Well, I know so, we all have many hot feelings about this these days. I was, was going to say, like, I am a passionate fan of Madoka. But I'll be the first person to say that Monica actually plays a lot of stuff straight. All right. Yeah. Like, I I think Gin Urobuchi wanted it to be a deconstruction, and to some degree it is. But I think what it deconstructs is actually the cons. It, it kind of, to relate it to Ichigo, it deconstructs their bodily autonomy. It's not deconstructing mm. the genre. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's my, that. that's my spicy hot take. <laughs> Coming in hot. <laughs> Coming in hot. Yeah. 
Well, then Asher and I, we were watching, we, we were re-watching Kill a Kill, and we're like, is Kill a Kill a magical uh, Like, yes. Absolutely. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> Ruko has a whole transformation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. That's that's all I really needed to yeah. know here. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just it's just a magical girl anime with like an older audience in mind. But yeah, it's absolutely oh, yes. absolutely a magical girl anime that is all that like is hot take is a better deconstruction than Monica. Yeah. No, I would agree. It's absolutely because Monica like, and I think what people forget, Monica's target audience was not women. It's men. Mm-hmm. It's the 18 to 35 demographic. It is a seinen series. It is for young men to middle-aged men. Well, that's why I think it became popular, too. Like, my boyfriend right. was like, well, at the time, was like, we have to watch this because, like, it's, you know, cool and a deconstruction right. of these shoujo things. And I'm like, but you yeah. don't, if, like, if, you watch Cardcaptor Sakura. But- <laughs> right, right, and Sakura is brutal. Like, yeah. like Clamp. They know how to rip a heart out. But, like, I think I far more think Monica, rather than deconstructing, like, Magical Girls is actually just deconstructing, whether intentionally or unintentionally, like, young women and their autonomy with their bodies and their autonomy in their lives. Like, which, which when you read it that way, I think it's much more exciting than, oh, it's a dark, edgy Magical Girl show. It's, <laughs> it's good, yeah. but, like, like I said, Sailor Moon, I would say, is a far darker series um, even the live action, which that's my that's more of my experience with Sailor Moon is like the, the, the live action version of it. Okay. Um, I would say, yeah, like Sailor Moon, Sakura, they're much more about deconstructing the genre where like Madoka, it's like much more about the bodily experience of the nightmarish things that happen if you become a magical girl. Yeah, that's my spicy okay. hot take. For, yeah, for all the and genre. Tokyo Mew Mew is just playing all the things that it just was like, this is yeah. cute. Yep. Yeah, I mean, which like fair enough. Like I would also because Tokyo Mew Mew also reads like fan fiction in the best of ways. Like, oh yes. I and I mean I I read fan fiction daily. I don't get out of bed until I've read some fanfic. But it feels like, what if they were magical girls? And also pastel colors, and also animals. And Ichigo had three boyfriends, and they all loved her, <laughs> but she didn't necessarily know. Who and they're maids. Loved. Yeah, and they're maids at a cafe with cheesecake. It it's it's a little bit of everything. Like it's yeah. it's a buffet. <laughs> this is amazing. Yes. Okay. I agree. Mondo. <laughs> all right. So. In the beginning of this podcast, I had tried to make love quizzes a thing, but that wasn't really working out. But this manga, like, Ikumi wrote some silly quizzes in the manga, so I think we should take them. I love these quizzes so much. (laughs) (laughs) They're pretty basic, so I think it it won't take too long, but they'll be funny, so. (laughs) Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so the first one was, what would you do if you have cat DNA implemented and you transform into a cat? And is told to fight. A. Resign and fight the enemies. B. Think this is fate and aggressively save the earth. C. Wonder what to do in this situation. D. Think how to make a living, not fighting with your ability. <laughs> that one's so targeted, but whatever. <laughs> e. Uh, go in, go in, go on your way because fighting has nothing to do with you. <laughs> um, you know, like honestly. 
I think I'm kind of a C person. Because, like, what, I mean, like, wonder what to do in this situation for sure, because your life would be radically changed. (laughs) Yeah, but hesitation is what gets you killed. (laughs) I, you know what, like, true. However, (laughs) like, however, I think, like, instinctively, that's what I would do. So I'm going to go with C. How, Mm. How about you? How about you? Yeah, I'm just like, this is very tough because, like, I, I know what I would want to aspire to do, I feel. Yeah, I'm going with I'm going with my gut reaction. I feel like I would just resign and fight the enemy because I would feel, <laughs> like, scared, right? Like, I would right. be like, well, what choice? Is there really a choice here? Like, if I walk away, won't they just come after me anyway? Like, I don't. Right. Okay, so you chose A and I chose C. So so what does that say about us? Okay, so if you choose if you chose A, you're easily influenced and should have courage to say no. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So if if you choose C, take it easy and think positively. I see myself in this picture and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This this room this rude. Anyway. <laughs> All right. The second one was I thought we could try a strawberry personality test. Oh, my God. (laughs) When you eat a strawberry, how do you like to eat it? Um, These were numbered. So, one, wash it and eat it. Two, turn it into a strawberry parfait. Three, make strawberry crepes. Four, put it on top of pudding. Five, say, forget strawberries. Give me a watermelon. (laughs) Oh, my God. That last one is so funny. I mean, like, if I go with my real reaction, it's number one. I just wash it and eat it. <laughs> yeah, me too, right? Like, like again, it's like I would aspire to, like, put it on top of pudding. Like, hell yeah. But then I yeah. have to have pudding too. Like, <laughs> Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm a wash it and eat it person for sure. <laughs> okay, apparently we are both honest and straightforward, although sometimes that can lead to fights with your boyfriend or buds. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Buds, buds feels like such a two thousands term. <laughs> they were like, we're so happy about this alliteration, though. Like, they were so proud of it. <laughs> like, kudos to whoever decided on that. That's good. That's good. I, I see at the end of it, it says like, what number would Ichigo pick? I feel like she uh, absolutely would be a number two. Oh, I was gonna say that too. Okay, so it yeah. must be correct. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like she would absolutely turn it into a strawberry parfait, which apparently if you pick number two, you're a bit selfish. You might be lucky, but don't push your luck too far and don't be greedy, which absolutely I think sums up a lot of her character. <laughs> yeah. She's like, what if I have all the boys though? Yeah. Like I get blushy at all of them because they all love me. I mean, like she does have essentially three boyfriends. Yeah. Like, I mean, five, if you include that, Masaya has two men inside of him. <laughs> like, like I mean, all right. I love this math. This is good. This is good math. Yeah, yeah. Like rolling in the boyfriends. Um, at Amazing. thirteen. <laughs> Dang. Just imagine what what will happen when she's eighteen. <laughs> I mean, like, who knows? Like, who knows? Who knows? Oh, my gosh. I guess speaking of boyfriends, I see you have a third quiz for us. Yeah, the third one. Yeah. Is less quizzy, but was something that I was like, we, we can de- we, we can answer this, I, yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. Tokyo Mew Mew has a lot of male characters. Masuya, Ryo, Keiichiro, Pai, Kish, Tart. Who is your ideal type? 
because she broke them down into types, which I'm like, all right, I don't know about this. But <laughs> I will just read what she wrote about each of them. So if you want a guy who values work and hobbies in addition to the relationship, you want someone like Masia. However, we don't get, uh, however, don't get freaked out if you can't always figure out what he's feeling. Meanwhile, if you're headstrong but honest, Rio might be the right guy for you. Just be straightforward and be willing to apologize whenever you get into an argument. <laughs> All right. I have many feelings actually about how many times Ichigo or Barry feel that they are the guilty party I, for the men. And I'm like, I don't know about this. Yeah, I'm with you. I have very complicated feelings and a lot of them land on I don't like how guilty they feel yeah. about like <laughs> things that are absolutely not their fault. <laughs> Right? I'm like, girl, you don't need to apologize for that. No. Don't do that. No. Um, Continuing, if you're a bit demanding and want someone who will take care of you, Keiichiro is definitely your type. If you're passionate, this is one that I'm like, all right, really? If you're passionate, Keisha is the right match. If you're quiet and gentle, (laughs) Pai might be your perfect guy. And he'll be able to get, uh, you'll be able to get past his cool exterior. Tart would be a great partner if you're perky and active. He'll value your feelings, although he can be more than a bit childish. <laughs> There's one more, Francois, the fat cat, a guy too. But I don't think he's anybody's type. That's accurate. That's yeah. I want to say that Quiche is deeply underserved by getting one sentence. <laughs> he deserves one. it, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, I get the feeling that I'm like, oh, I'm probably basic. I'm probably like a Keichiro girl. Like I know, I also agree that Keichiro sounds amazing. He's out of all of these men, he's the best. He can cook. He's got long hair. He wear apron. That's all we need. That's all we <laughs> like, need. Yeah, that's yeah. All we like, need. He's a good boy. That's <laughs> all we need. I'm very basic and I'm not afraid to admit that. That's all we need. Yeah, I'm with you. I also do like Masaya. Yeah, he's he's a good boy. He's, a good boy. he's He's a very genuine character. Yeah. And then I have to, as as I said in the beginning, I do like Tasuku. I know he's not in this because he was in Ala Mode. <laughs> but... Right. Right. And I think Ala Mode didn't have any fun quizzes, which is no. why which is what makes it weaker. It's so much weaker. Yeah. Um, but I am definitely a sucker for like, you know, friends to lovers, BS yeah. and it's it's a good trope. It's a good it's... trope. And I mean, I'll say as someone who is literally in a friends to lovers re- relationship, it's a good trope. <laughs> Me too. So yeah. So I'm like, that's, that crap is real, man. It's like, really what? real. Like it is so choice. Um, I think my biggest complaint with Tasuku is actually, uh, for, well, first of all, the kid is great because he wears roller skates everywhere. Yeah, like he's, everywhere. He's, he's a member of Air Gear or whatever. Like, yeah. He's... Oh my god! Oh my god! He is. He's constantly wearing rollerblades. Um, he's I think... Karka. He's Sakura. <laughs> oh my god! God, now I want to read. And now I want to read Air Gear, even though like a part of me is like, don't do that to yourself, Mercedes. Don't do that. I've heard it's don't. very bad. Yeah. <laughs> I. I mean, I did get like thirty volumes in before I stopped. Oh, um, I think my bigger thing with Tasuku is that um, sometimes he's a little bit pushy. And, like, they, because I, I know, I know that, like, Mia Ikumi, I think, was given the concept by Kodansha. Like, mm. what is, oh, gosh, what is the original writer? Ray, uh, Ray Yoshida, I don't think, wrote the concept for this one. But sometimes the aspects that, like, 
that make me not like him is like there's a moment where Tosku is um I think in Barry's room and like makes a comment about watching her change in her underwear and I was just like that's unnecessary oh yeah like He's like too creepy boy next door. Yeah, and and when they take that away, when they just let him be a character, he is actually quite a he's quite a genuine boy. I think it's ra- rather than me not liking him, I don't like how they shape his character because when they pull that back, he's a very normal boy who's just like, yeah, the girl I like is also a superhero. And that's <laughs> great. Um, but when they like make him clingy and kind of weirdly sexualized Barry that's when I'm like oh I don't like it I don't like it at all (laughs) did you like him cross-dressing I did actually I like how casual he was he was it was not a question he was like I'm just in the uniform I look good I like I like my hair like this like it it, what I like that it wasn't a thing which is interesting because I feel like nowadays a character cross-dressing in anime and manga gets made into this really uncomfortable big deal but like you have this instance where like no one comments on the fact that he no one there's no like oh you look like a girl or uh gross like tasuku is just there in a uniform and like barry is just thankful that he came to help her but like at no point does anyone point out like uh tasuku's cross-dressing which is how it should be. Like, there shouldn't be a comment made about, like, ugh, gross. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, kudos to get you a man like Tasuku, who's, yeah. com- who's comfortable sliding all across every yeah, bit of Yeah, Tasuku's a good boy. <laughs> yeah, he's a very good boy. Um, yeah, I think actually, now that I've said that, it is more I don't like the writing around him. I like yeah. his character, but the writing can be a little. And, and I, I'll chalk that up to, like, you know, this is all a mode feels rushed and it is, it is rushed. And I think that's a lot of what it is in a, in a, in a five to seven volume story, Tasuku would have been like best boy for sure. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But he has to compete with Masaya. So he doesn't win. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, how can you compete against a boy who's actually an alien? Yeah. How can you compete against a boy who's really three boys? So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That leads us into a uh, shipping corner. Oh boy. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> um I I love some shipping. I'm so excited. Oh yes, shipping. So I've listed out all the ones that they like teased as possible real ships. Or at least I think right. I did. Maybe yeah. I missed some. Uh, I don't yeah, yeah. You 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 got all of them. Great. So the first one I believe neither of us likes, which is Quiche and Ichigo. <laughs> It's very one-sided and very predatory towards Ichigo. Yeah, I was like, Kish, no, you can't be all, I tried to make you cry this whole time and I'm always mean and like, then be like, but what do I have to do to make you like me and cry and die and think that that's supposed to make me like you? I mean, has the audacity in the end as he is dying to be like, "Uh, I did it to save the girl I love. I'm going to take one more kiss like get out of here i i mean and then like and then like leans against her chest and is like oh i love you ichigo and ichigo cries ichigo (laughs) Ichigo's too good for him yeah 
No, I'm, yeah, I'm not with that ship. Mm-mm. No. No, thank you. That's a bad ship. But when Astro and I were like, all right, we're going to look up what the most popular ships <laughs> on, like, AO3 were. It's Kishichigo. It's Kishichigo! <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't shock me. I think... <laughs> I think because, like, in a different world where Quiche was maybe allowed to be a bit more, a bit less predatory, a bit more, like, a genuine character, I actually would like that. Like, I actually think, mm. like, the interstellar romance would have been interesting, which I guess technically Ichiro has with Masaya. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> the way that Quiche is now, he's just so forceful that it's uncomfortable, so... Yeah. Sorry. We also assume maybe it's fueled by the anime because, like, in the opening of the anime, Kish and Ichigo are the ones who almost kiss and not Masuya. Yeah, I I do think the anime certainly has a lot to do with it. Ugh, um, this is terrible. I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that that has because the anime was different. Um, I mean, you know, it expanded on a lot of different stuff, so I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yeah. Ugh, I don't like it. Anyway, another one I don't like. Rio and Ichigo. God, toss Rio into the sea. (laughs) I don't. I don't toss him off his boat into the sea. Yeah, toss this fifteen-year-old millionaire off of his yacht. (laughs) Um, Rio is also incredibly pushy with Ichigo and her body. Like, it bad enough that the first time that they meet each other up in a tree, he's like. Ugh, you're kind of heavy. Like, first of all, mm. everybody's body is different and should be respected. Second of all, he doesn't tell her that he can change into a cat and the, then just like kisses her as a cat. It's not great. He's just, he's just very, he's very controlling over her body in a way that like, I think they want us to find like attractive, Mm-mm. but is not. No. No. I do have to say that Asher really loved because he he read uh, he didn't read Alamode but he read the main series after I had finished the volumes and mm. he was like ah yes Rio just casually saying oh about that kiss earlier don't worry about it we were both cats he's like what a line <laughs> just like- yeah I mean that is that is like a quotable isn't it <laughs> like it's I don't think Rio himself is a bad character but I think he in a relationship with Ichigo would just kind of be a lot like Kish but they're both human and cats. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, also, did they make Rio seem like much older in all mode, even though like negligible time had passed? That's yeah, how I felt. They did. They give him a new outfit, and like he looks like he's in his early twenties. Yeah, and you're like, wait, literally all mode. Okay, so at the end of volume seven is when we get a cameo of Barry. She like comes to the cafe. It's closed for the day. Because Ichigo's having her mock wedding. All of Mode <laughs> takes place like not that long after. In fact, I believe it's like if you read the beginning right, it's like days after it. Yeah. I mean, even though, well, t- and I guess technically it's four months later because Ichigo comes back from Europe. Yeah. But like, it's not that, it's not long enough for like <laughs> Rio to get like a glow up. Yeah, yeah. I was like, um, excuse me. Why does Rio look five to ten years older yeah. than he did? Like, he gets a new jacket with sleeves. Like, Keichiro is there. And Keichiro also has a glow up. It, it's very confusing. It was so confused. Yeah. I mean, time in this manga 
was always confusing because like very fluid it's very yeah <laughs> it would be like two manga pages happened with some some action you know but there's no like the characters had a conversation and you're like okay so maybe like two minutes have passed and then it'd be like a half hour has passed i have made uh, i'm i'm late for my date with masuya and i'm like what yeah it's yeah. it's very fluid incredibly fluid so so yeah. silly Almost as silly as this next couple, which is Tart and Pudding. I feel like they only got put together because of the, they're the two child characters. Oh, yes. 100%. And that's really my feelings on it. Is I'm like, I don't feel one way or the other. It's just so obvious that they got slapped together because of the two kids. It is touching that Pudding gives Tart a piece of candy. And Tart is like, maybe these humans aren't so bad after all. We're still going to kill them. But Pudding... <laughs> She's one of the good ones. <laughs> like, it's kind of like, oh, that's nice. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. It is cute. It is cute. Yeah, I, th- I think that's kind of the extent of it is like their kidship. Yeah. I was like, I don't like either of you. So it's yeah. difficult. Yeah, I, w- I, I think that's where a lot of my indifference comes is I'm like, neither of these are characters I enjoyed. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, then we get Barry and Tasuku, and again, I really appreciate the ship. <laughs> I, really... I mean, I, I do like a good friends to lovers. It's a good trope. It is, I would say actually, even given the shortness of all the mode, it's actually done pretty well because you have the established relationship that like they have a lifetime of history. Yeah. This is like the one area where it shines. Like I think it does yeah. give a decent amount of time to their relationship. Like that's that's one of the main cruxes of it actually. Yeah. It's everything else that doesn't. And and I mean like it actually it's actually quite heartbreaking when Tasuku attacks Barry. Yeah. It's like you actually feel something. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm going to say it's actually a cute it's a cute ship. It's a cute ship. I wish that they had gotten so much more development like well yeah <laughs> but like it is a cute ship but for what it is i'm like oh yeah it's cute that tosku was like i'm gonna be very earnest in, in hugging barry every day after her mom died and she was like my mom always gives me hugs it's so sweet and it's heartbreaking so you're like tosku tosku you good boy <laughs> And I know. And then when she like pushes him away multiple times out of, you know, like, oh, what are these growing feelings and being confused? He like actually respects that. And I was like, oh, I was going to say, I will say like the longer the series goes on, like he when she starts to push him away, he doesn't like physically impede on her space. Yeah. Whereas like I feel like with Ichigo, a lot of the times where she pushed male characters away, they got in her space like. No, like, he gives her the space to breathe enough that, like, Barry is the one that approaches him and initiates a kiss. Yeah. Like, and it and it actually feels quite genuine. Yeah. I just, I and I, I, I believe, like, it's towards the end, like, he asks, like, can I stay by your side forever? And it feels earned. Yeah. It actually, it actually feels earned, so. Even though you're, like, you're 12, you don't really know how the world Right, works, like but that's I, okay. It's okay. It's okay because you still love it, right? Yeah, yeah. But like, I admire the feeling that you were having right now in this moment, and I respect it. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is good. It is good, actually. Yeah. I and I'll I'll say I feel like Barry. Um, 
I feel like Barry is maybe the most disliked out of all of the really? fandom. Yeah, I think, and I think a lot of it hinges on her characterization being shorter and a lot of people may be viewing her as a replacement for Ichigo. I will say one thing that I noticed reading this time was that my feelings were, I wonder to some degree how much Barry was disliked because she is the most effeminate of all of the characters and mm. to be girly is to be bad. Yeah, I would not say that Barry is my least favorite yeah, view. I, I actually found myself really liking Barry because out of all of the muse, her femininity is used the most to actually be a literal weapon. Her outfit is maybe perhaps the most effeminate. She has a very effeminate style. And I actually found it really wonderful that like her, you know, being a quote unquote girly girl is actually her biggest strength. It's really actually quite wonderful, but I think a lot of people didn't like maybe didn't and don't like her because she is so feminine and i think it's kind of unfortunately that being a girl uh being a girl is bad <laughs> and, is and, bad. and it's and it's you know and I, I think you think that a lot as a teenager like you don't want to be like other girls and yeah. barry barry wholeheartedly leans into being i mean she chooses the school that she wants to go to because the uniform is cute which is such an yeah. iconic thing like yeah we, we love we love queen barry but like i do think that a lot of antagonism towards her was partially because out of all of the girls she is the most capital g girl um hmm. which like as an adult i actually think it's really quite wonderful um and i love how cute barry is she's just quite adorable yeah i actually really like barry and to me is like she's actually one of the few that feels like more of a human than the like mint and lettuce you know like like barry is perhaps actually the most baseline like an actual person character yeah (laughs) like she is the most realistic character and 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 i i could be wrong about the ire that i have perceived from fandom but it does feel like part of it certainly was steeped in Barry being a seen as a replacement for Ichigo B her story being significantly shorter and you know maybe not as well written and C the fact that she is kind of she's very effeminate but like she is the most realistic character like I can't relate to Mint no because I'm not rich (laughs) yeah like I can't even Lettuce Lettuce is very a very exaggerated anxious person oh yeah like and even even Zakuro, who I think is cool, I also can't relate to her. I certainly can't relate to Pudding. But, like, you know, there's there's things I like about all of them. But Barry is really the most down-to-earth character. Yeah. Justice for Barry. That's what I'm learning. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um, but then the biggie, of course, uh, is Ichigo and Masaya. I, you know, I mean, like, all of their issues combined, I really like them. <laughs> right i really like them like i just really like them <laughs> i don't i don't know how else to put it like mm. they're good the fact that um the fact that ichigo loves him so much that she is so unwilling to hurt him is in this way it's so dramatic but it's also really good like and then the fact that she loves him so much 
that she decides like I have to defeat you to save everyone else is also so good. Yeah, I would say what's really good about their relationship too is uh, like they do go on a journey. Like when they were on that first date, I was like, I don't feel this at all. Like Masia doesn't seem like a good boy who respects you and you you deserve better each go. And why do you like him? Like I don't get it. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like so few series actually achieve like you going from disliking a character to being like, actually, I, I get it. Like, it's so good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, by the end of the main series, like, you have come full circle. And, like, you can kind of connect why, you know, you, you can kind of look back at Masaya and say, like, oh, you know, he's really actually genuinely evolved. And so has Ichigo. And they've come to this point where, like, they really love each other. And they've gone through so much together and have sacrificed so much and you know it's just really good it's just really good and heartwarming i love that he protects her secret and he lets he lets her approach him about that i love that like he worries about when she has to go off and fight i love that he fights being deep blue not just for himself but specifically because he doesn't want to hurt ichigo and to, to the point where, like, he, I don't, where he takes his own life to stop from hurting the world, but also to keep her from having to do that. It's a really um, evocative moment, and it actually feels like a quite poignant moment. I feel like I'm getting teary-eyed just thinking about the <laughs> crying on this podcast now yeah i will say like the ending arc between them feels earned yeah it feels absolutely earned yeah and, and it's i feel like again to this like journey point like i was like oh yeah it was one of those things where it actually made me believe over the course of the story that it was like yeah you read the first volume the first time and like Masaya and Ichigo, who don't really know that much about each other at that time, you also misinterpret the situation where like right. Ichigo comes to understand that it's like, oh yeah, Masaya has always been concerned about climate change and whatever. And he was showing me one of his favorite places. And, you know, she just didn't understand that at the time and was like, why are we going here? It's so weird. Why is he like so into this? <laughs> XYZ. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, Man, uh, yeah, you don't normally go into manga, yeah, just like yeah, it it that. really comes full circle in a really beautiful way. So, like, yeah, I absolutely Ao three needs more Ichigo Messiah fic. No, really, it does though. Like, it absolutely, was, <laughs> it was absolutely. inappropriate how much Kish, uh, Kish Ichigo was happening. No, yeah, get out. Absolutely, of here. give me more soft stories about these two, please, please, yeah. Um, so is there anybody you wish was a ship that was not? Yeah, so like, I feel deeply underserved as someone who is deeply in love with a woman that Mint and Zakro, Mint is super into Zakro. It is not just friendship. Yes. Like, she gets heart eyes when she talks about Zakro. And this series had the nerve to be like, no, no. Oh, but, but they have a weird age gap, don't they? Well, so I think I want to say that Zakro in I now I know the Tokyo Pop and Kodansha changed the ages. I want to say Zakro is only like two years older than Mint. Oh, 
I definitely thought there was a bigger age gap. I want to say, like, that, like, canonically, Zakuro is two years older. Because they aged them all up for um, the four kids release. And I think in the Kodansha one, yeah, so she's, like, 14. Why was she drinking in that one scene? Yeah, I mean, that that's a lot, huh? That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Um, yeah, so I think Zakro is like 14 and Mint is like 12 to 13. Okay, so, fine. Then I accept it more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that, that would be a little weird if they had like a 20-year-old just chilling out with these teens, right? Yeah, I was um, like, what's going on here? Yeah, okay, yeah. So she's like 11 to 12. So it's... They are close in age, but like, and like, I, I definitely like to think that maybe in the future when they're adults, Zakuro realizes that like Mint has a non-platonic affection for her and maybe they try a relationship and hopefully it goes well. Um, They did certainly have Zakuro drinking in that bar, didn't they? They did. And then they had, and then they had an adult man hit on her. Oh no. (laughs) Oh no. No, no. I was like, what's going on here? (laughs) That's not good. That was the thing. Yeah. Um, That, and like, I have a weird soft spot for Ichigo X Lettuce. And I might be the the only person on this planet who like... It's not what I expected, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I, so in a lot of it stems from the first volume where like Ichigo is the one who is the only person who can break through like Lettuce's kind of fog around losing control of her abilities mm-hmm. um i i just like they they're so cute and they're good friends and like ichigo kind of is the person who brings lettuce into the fold um yeah and like i just i just want really cute fluff fic about them being gal pals <laughs> um yeah fair enough fair enough how about you are, are you shipping anybody my my trash brain really really was like but Rio and Keishiro and I know that there's an age gap there but especially since they made Rio look so much older in all mode I was like I mean they ship it too right like Ikumi is shipping right, <laughs> right. Rio and Keishiro is OTP <laughs> so I mean because like and I now I don't know how old Keichiro is it's never revealed yeah and I'm 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 curious how old Keichiro absolutely is. I assume he's just like close to Rio's age. I, I hope. But he was like their servant when Rio was a child. So I was like, oh Damn. yeah, yeah. I guess huh, that that might change the dynamic, huh? Yeah, that's like, why I was like, mm, this is problematic. But I feel it in my heart. <laughs> you know? Okay, so I like Loki. I did have to Google. Apparently, he's he's 21. Keichiro? Yeah. If I assume Ryo is like 15? He's, uh, yeah, he's 15. He gets aged up in four kids to 16. He's 15, though. Okay. Um, You know, when they're both older, that's okay. I was going to say, when they're older and they can discuss their dynamic, um, shifting from like a kind of guardian, like not guardian, but like servant you know kind of relationship yeah. like when they're older they can talk about that why the tokyo Mew Mew fandom wikia lists them as partners without giving me the context that they mean partners in <laughs> cafe Mew Mew is rough um they definitely ship it <laughs> i mean like it i i feel like it's 
past subtext it's kind of almost just text it's almost there yeah like these these two young men would die for one another (laughs) it's just like it's like shocking that i mean that they're they're just like no they're friends and you're like no No, they're definitely reiko ishida wrote yoshida wrote this to like yeah, they're smooching. They're smooching. They own a cafe together. Yeah, what is this? Like, excuse me. They own a cafe together. They're smooching. They own a cutesy cafe together, too. Smooching. Yeah. So. That's how I feel about that. I am with you. All right. So I feel like we've discussed much about Tokyo Mew Mew. But is there anything? Do you have any final thoughts about Tokyo Mew Mew? You know, I I feel like it's just a really good series. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it's not, by all means, it is not a perfect series, but this reread was really enjoyable simply because it's nice to always see where genres have gone, have gone. Like, Tokyo Mimi meant a lot to me growing up. It still means a lot to me, but it's really lovely to see that, like, stories have become so much more than this. I think that was kind of like what I walked out of there, walked out of my read, like thinking was just like, you know, this, this satisfies a part of me, but like, there's so much, there's so many other magical girl series that, uh, that have taken inspiration from this. And that's really lovely. So I think it's a valuable read, but like, I think it's time is kind of coming to an end, which is why it's a little shocking to see it getting new content. Right. That's why I'm like, but it's coming back. (laughs) Yeah. And so it'll, it'll be interesting though, to see, It'll be interesting to see a new generation find this series. Yeah, the youths can tell us what they think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, I do hope that someday you can come back on for, uh, you know, the new Tokyo Mew Mew stuff, which I, again, assume we'll get in, like, 2022. But I absolutely hope so, too, because I think I am slowly becoming that one person on Twitter who really likes Tokyo Mew Mew a lot. <laughs> that's your niche now. You're like, like head of Tokyo Mew Mew. Yeah. And if, and if that's the niche that I have to fall into, I will take up the crown and wear it proudly. Um, <laughs> but hopefully, I love it. That's great. <laughs> hopefully we will get the new manga because I would really like it. I would really like it. So. Yeah. Karanja, if you're listening. Yeah. Like, together. <laughs> bring, bring, bring it over, please. Bring yes, over, please. bring over both Tokyo Mew Mew 2020 Return and Tokyo Mew Mew Olay, and please don't romanize it as like Olay, like the Spanish word Cafe Olay. Please, please, <laughs> like get it right, Kadanja. <laughs> yeah, because like every time I see people talking about it on Twitter and using Olay, I'm like, guys. I don't think you no someone made a translation error it's Olay like cafe Olay it's food related (laughs) it's food it's food it's not Spanish yeah uh well on that note thanks thanks for listening to Shoujo and Tell comments questions constructive criticism concerns need to gush about your OTP email Shoujo and Tell at gmail.com or leave a comment on the episode's YouTube page we're at Shoujo and Tell on Twitter Tumblr and Instagram Mercedes, where can people find you and your work on the internet? So, um, first and foremost, you can always find me on Twitter. I am at Pixelated Lenses. 
where I tend to talk about um, three things, really. Things that I either want to write about or am writing about, working and editing and QAing, or my girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? The three things weren't Tokyo, Mew, and Mew? I (laughs) I mean, like, I have to give space for some other things. But you, you can definitely find me talking about Tokyo Mew, and please at me. I would love to talk about it. Um, you can also find my writing on Anime Feminist. Uh, that's AnimeFeminist.com. You can find my writing at But Why Though, as well as the fandom post. And you can also follow my adventure as a freelancing blurred. It's a black nerd blurred. Um, on BacklitPixels.wordpress.com which is my professional work blog. Great. You're so, so many things. Yes. Again, I aspire to be you. <laughs> I, you know, you're going to make me blush. That makes me feel like so wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just like, man, I don't do anything. <laughs> so. I and, and it's funny because like, I also feel like I don't do anything, but then I'm no, like. No, you definitely do a lot of things. <laughs> I have done so much this year. <laughs> You've done so much. You continue to do so much. Yeah. Oh, thank it's, it's you. It's pretty thank incredible, in my opinion. Thank you. Um, yeah. Are you excited every time you see a new episode from us? If so, please consider leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts. This will help the show reach more hearts, or at least ears. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next time for maybe Pet Shop of Horrors, the second half of Alhari Ride, Utna After the Revolution. The first half of Waiting for Spring. I don't know. There's, I have a lot of options. I'm catching up <laughs> with my, my stuff, okay? And I will figure it out. Stay tuned. Until then, bye. Bye.